Welcome to Unlocked, the podcast that dares to put people first. Late 2020, the Talent Sprint joined a unique community of activist entrepreneurs called We Don't Need Roads, a one-stop shop for positive impact. Together, we move as a pack. We are on a mission to change our economies for good. As we are passionate about people who do things differently, people who create impact in business, and for a more sustainable world, people that carry unique qualities in work and life. That's why we want to meet the PAC and bring you this exclusive podcast series where we invite PAC members to have open conversations with us and share their mission towards creating positive impact. And our only rule to our guest is... Be yourself. We are the Tansprint. My name is Emmanuel Nishiporn. I'm a partner at the Tansprint and I'm passionate about people and the projects to change the world. And my name is Jeroen Frumeau, co-founder of the Talent Sprint and passionate about unlocking people's potential so that they can experience success. Again, welcome to Unlocked, the podcast that dares to put people first. Welcome to Caroline Renou, international HR and impact professional. I am Emmanuel, and with Jeroen, we are co-hosting this episode. Caroline is the founder and CEO of Verdeo, one of the first B Corp in France, and the first headhunting and recruitment agency focused on the profiles able to tackle the new challenges of society. Started in 2010, they are now the French leader in positive impact jobs, CSR, sustainability, purpose-driven organizations, B Corps, and Verdeo also launched People for Impact, a platform to find the best freelance profiles in positive impact and social change. It is such a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. And when we were first introduced, thanks to We Don't Need Roads Pack, we were so enthusiastic to have this moment with such a powerful woman of both HR and impact. We are very proud to have you here. And thanks to your international HR and sustainability background, we are preparing companies for the next revolution after digitalization, which is sustainability. We are really eager to know more. So Caroline, who are you and what is your dream with Verdeo? Thank you, Emmanuel, for this uh, very nice presentation. Um, so my name is uh, Caroline Renou. I started the Verdeo, as you said, uh, 10 years ago. Uh, so it's a recruitment head headhunting company specialized in uh, sustainable development and every kind of jobs related with uh, purpose company and positive impact. I am passionate about sustainability and business, and I strongly believe the private sector can play a major role in the challenges we are facing. So to be honest, I have not always conducted my career in sustainability because prior to Birdeo, I used to work in the digital sector in the Benelux area for a UK-based company. So across those countries, I manage large teams of consultants, so in 2008, it was about 200 of them. Now, September 2008, Lehman Brothers, the very famous financial institution, collapsed. So it led to a major financial crisis and economic uh, crisis. So my, my boss at that time, the UK guy, told me, OK, you have to fire 100 people and uh, you have uh, two, two weeks to do it. So I did it. And he told me, oh, uh, congratulations, you are the French uh, Margaret Thatcher. 
So for me, it was, uh, you know, my uh, tipping point. So I, I realized I urgently needed to change something. So I went back to school uh, to study sustainability. And then I found, I found so uh, the concept was to bring um, professional with the right mindset and skills to make company more sustainable. You were talking about sustainability and a question that we had actually with Jeroen when we talked about you, your profile and what you've done yeah. is what would be for you the difference between purpose and impact driven? The difference between purpose and impact driven. So I think the, 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 the purpose, this is something which starts inside, uh, inside uh, you. Purpose driven, well, the way, the way I see it at least, this is a, a company or a job which will try to have a positive uh, impact on the uh, socially or on the environment. So it means you can have a, a purpose, you can be purpose-driven uh, without having a job's in impact. So if I understand correctly that for you, impact-driven is really creating an impact on a sustainable world. Yes. And, so and To serve uh, that purpose. Exactly. So, uh, well, the, 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 the challenge with Bordeaux I'm trying to resolve is how to make sure that business can help our world to be more sustainable. Okay. Before we go to what Birdio is doing today and the ambitions that you have today, yeah. I was actually uh, triggered by your introduction already, yeah. where you said in the former crisis that we talked yes. about, you say that crisis was for you a tipping point yeah. on your focus on mm. uh, how you would like to spend your life uh, in the professional world. Crisis or no crisis, we are now in an in a day and an age where we all are again experiencing a potential tipping point. We might not be able to, uh, to express what the tipping point is at this moment, but how are you experienced today's world? So as according to me, we reached a tipping point in 2019, there was a shift. So, you know, as I started uh, 10 years ago, professionals who were already involved into sustainability were true pioneers. It means they were passionate about the subject and prepared to less money. And their career path was not as straightforward. So I saw a first change in 2016, the Paris Agreement to fight climate change. It led to a stronger regulation internationally, so for states, for companies, and uh, investors. And in 2016, the United Nations agreed on 17 what we call SDG, so Sustainable Development Goals. So it means 70 goals to reach, to have a better world, such as access to health, access to education, use of uh, renewable energy, to mention a few of them. So it provided a framework to implement sustainability. And then 2019 was just an amazing year. The sustainability topics was everywhere in the news and not only, you know, in very specific and niche media as it used to be. So it almost became mainstream and this became a good business. So now there was 2020. We might have thought the pandemic would have slowed things down. And on the contrary, this matter became more prominent. So, you know, when talking about the root of the pandemic, often we mention loss of biodiversity, or when talking about the economic recovery, sustainability is always mentioned. 
So, uh, you know, of course, we it's awful what's happening today. It's very tough. But the reason why I'm still, I'm still uh, very positive, because usually sustainability, you know, when there was even, even a little crisis, budget were cut. Right now, we are, no, we are not anymore in this, in this uh, old world. Okay. Then I have a question about what would you say are the current challenges of, of your uh, clients or partners now in this new era? Yeah. So on the, on the one hand, you have more and more people, young but older too, who are willing to give purpose in what they do and who are willing to, to, to make this world more sustainable through business. However, it's, it's not, as I often say, it's not because you eat organic, organic or because you, you cycle to work that uh, you have what it takes to pursue this career. It takes a lot of energy. You know, you, 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 you are trying to, to make profit and uh, you are trying to have a positive impact on the environment and uh, socially. So, you know, even so, on the, even so in the long term, we know it's the right solution. In the short term, it's uh, tougher than any other job because you have more constraints. And actually, if you had three core skills, soft and hard skills, that a professional who would like to enter this impact-driven or purpose-driven realm, what should they have? Uh, it's a bit more than two or three. I have 11. <laughs> So through my 10 years experience as a headhunter in this, I, I have noticed, I mean, not, uh, no, not only me, but we have noticed that you, you need to meet certain criteria if you want to be successful. So first, you need to have the right attitude and the right uh, mindset. So it means uh, you cannot only be an activist. So, you know, you need, you need to be able to demonstrate the added value that sustainability is going to bring. Uh, second point, you need to have a deep understanding of business culture because still it's about uh, making profit. Uh, third, you need to have extensive knowledge of sustainability. It's a difficult subject, so you have to learn it. It's complex. Fourth, you need to be able to conduct the change. So, you know, change management skills. Fifth, it's uh, the ability to embark people on the road with you. Six, you need to be able to, 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 to conduct a complex and transverse uh, project. Seven, you need to have a creative and entrepreneurial spirit. Eight, you need courage because it's not easy, the message you have to give. You need to be, you need to be bold and you need tenacity because usually, you know, when you try something or when you propose something, first you will be told it's not possible. And finally, you need a lot of uh, humility because you try things, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. So you need to be able to try something else and you really need to be able to give this subject to everybody uh, around you. It's an interesting list that you're mentioning over here because it's almost describing, in my words, by the way, yeah. the new type of professional. If you talk about an impact-creating profession, uh, mm -hmm. if you talk about contributing to a more sustainable world, if, if yeah. you have these 10, 11 type of qualities that you describe, is almost the job description or the persona description of the future worker. That's also immediately where my dilemma is, because, and I'm just curious what your opinion about that mm -hmm. is. The, today's generation, 
yes. that is most impact driven in your words, let's say focusing on a better world, etc., is the relatively younger generation. And I say here younger with care. I don't mean mm -hmm. only the 15 year olds, but I mean uh, the ones that are now entering professional life, including some of uh, the millennials. But it's the relatively younger generation. The younger working generation is more impact, more purpose driven in your, uh, in your definition. To have this long list of qualities, all at an, let's say, minimum maturity level for, yeah. your, for your customers, your organizations you're recruiting yes. for to say, hey, I'm bringing on the right person, in my view, is a big challenge because the people are not out there yet. One, the motivation that you say, the real uh, motivation that they need to have and the drive yeah. is really in the core with that younger generation. But many of the other skill sets that you describe, you can only gain by having substantial work experience and being a global world planet citizen uh, new style how do you deal with that dilemma or how do you see that dilemma of the young agility that we are looking for versus the availability or the non-availability of those experiences yet in today's working generation so i'm sorry i will not answer directly uh, to your question the reason being that i don't totally agree uh with you, because you mentioned this uh, new generation willing to, to, to give more purpose uh, in, in their jobs, which is right. However, the older generation, too, they, are more, they are more discreet, but definitely it's quite amazing, especially for the last two years. The increase I saw, of course, with new generation, but as well with people who are maybe 30, 40, 50, and who want to be, who want to be part of this, of this movement. So I think the young generation has the energy to let us know, okay, come on, it has to change. Fuck, we don't care. And, you know, the, the, the older ones are following as well this big movement. And now about this uh, long list of uh, criteria, I do agree with you. It's really challenging. And for me, the biggest challenge and really what makes me so sad today, this is about the extensive knowledge of sustainability. I just don't understand uh, nowadays how you can be a student and not have, you know, basic knowledge of sustainability. You know, often in, in, uh, in the universities in France, Still, if you want to study sustainability, you need to ask for it, or you know, you need to do a specialization in it. Whereas it should be the basic for for everyone. You know, one of the um, one of the industry which is really uh, transforming itself that's the finance industry. So believe me or not, but now the finance industry is really. Uh, checking that when they invest somewhere, they will check, of course, you know, the, the financial criteria, but what we call as well extra financial criteria in environment, in social, in governance. And I just can't understand today how you can just be a graduate in finance and not to have, you know, this basic, basic knowledge in environment, social and uh, governance. And I think that's a huge Drama. I like comparing it with uh, digital. You know, today there are many, most of the jobs you can't imagine take them if you if you don't have some if you don't have basic knowledge in digital. For me, it's the same in sustainability. 
That's that's very interesting. Actually, what I what it makes me wonder about is so you're talking about this huge movement throughout all categories of people, age, yes. uh, gender, everything that is going on, and you're talking about industries that we actually don't imagine as yeah. uh, purpose or impact driven industries like um, finance. Do you see right now some industries being left out because of this movement? So the finance industry is really pushing things. Now, the first industries which were impacted about it and more conscious about it, that was, that was the food industry because, you know, it touches your health and because they already suffer a lot from climate change. So they were quite in advance. And basically all the industry um, in, in, in linked with the con directly with the con consumer. So the B2B sector, it started a bit uh, later, like for example, how we called it, you know, the packaging industry, it started uh, a bit uh, later. And now there is an industry which surprised me extremely positively. This is the fashion industry. So until two years ago, this industry was not really aware of sustainability, except a few pioneers. And there was the, the Fashion Pact about two years ago, signed by about uh, 200, um, 200 uh, bonds. And now this industry is really transforming itself, still today, in a time where, you know, believe me, it's not easy for them because, uh, you know, we stay so much home, we don't buy clothes. But still, they are, they are continuing their transformation. And they are so much, you know, they are so much famous that it, it has really an impact on um, our mindset as well. That's, that's very interesting. And actually, you're, you're, we can feel that there's a change going on yeah. also in, in recruitment. And you're on the forefront of that. And what would you say changed? So what is the current way right now for companies to recruit or to, to recruit when they come to you, so when they need an impact or purpose-driven job or profile? So, well, first, as much as possible, they need to check the 11 criteria I mentioned. Now, as you said, you know, I honestly believe there is probably no human being who has the 11th uh, one. So you just try to... <laughs> You just try to, you just try to, to reach them. But what we see now, this is that sustainability is, is impacting every job. So for example, if you want to do procurement, so you, you will be, you, we will check your skills in procurement and in sustainability linked to procurement. And for me, this is really the change we, we see uh, today. I would like to ask something because yes. we see also lots of organizations and don't take me wrong on what I'm saying now because mm. it's not about you or the world you work <laughs> but there are lots of organizations that are greenwashing their brands. Yeah. So they say they are focusing on sustainability, on equality, on diversity. I can go on with all these uh, words. Yeah. And that means also they are attracting new employees or staff. Yes that would like to work in organizations like that. But here's my dilemma. So yes. it's a promise, it's mm -hmm. an ambition. And of course, um, promises and ambitions attracts people, but you might end up in an organization or be recruited for an organization where after three months or six months, you discover that it is still a dream and not a reality yet. 
how do you help your clients or your organizations that you work for to be as authentic as possible in the recruitment approach and in the promises that they make that really they are an impact making, not creating, but an impact making company and the promise is a reality already so let me answer let me answer with uh, two ways so first way you ma- you mentioned the greenwashing so you know 10 years ago as i started in sustainability greenwashing was a big subject so you know all companies were uh, suddenly uh, doing a lot of uh, great uh, things and then you know the social networks and every and ngos so they, they they pointed out all the mistakes so i would say that was that was the beginning of the movement so there was some there was some excess and I, I won't say it's normal but you know it's part it's part of the deal so you still have company who who, who do greenwashing but Believe me, it's it's quite hard now to do greenwashing because you know people check and they say if you do something wrong. And I would say sometimes it's even on the contrary. So you have companies doing great things, but they don't communicate about it because they know that um, if they communicate if they communicate about what they do, great. So someone will tell them, oh, but there is all this that you are doing bad. So they just prefer there is a no mess around the, around their communication. So this is this is a one point one point about greenwashing. And a good example, this is in the luxury sector. In the luxury sector, some companies do amazing things, but you know they still have so much to do. <laughs> to improve the rest that they prefer just to shut up. And another thing, secondly, to to, to answer more directly on what you said, what I said to my candidate, this is, it's impossible to be perfect as a company. So even if you take the great leader like Patagonia, Patagonia is one of the pioneers and one of the best in terms of sustainability. They have on their webpage, you can see, you know, the things they, they do well, and all the things they still need, they still need to improve because it's just impossible to do things perfectly. So what is expected from companies, I think this is more to be transparent, you know, to be able to say this, we're doing good. And on these different points, we need to improve. And there is a path to do it. And sometimes we know the path and sometimes we just don't know, we just don't know it yet. And for my uh, candidates, so I will tell them if, if you want to know about, you know, the authenticity um, of the message. So check check the communication around it. If the if the the the, the big boss is uh, convinced, usually you know all the company uh, will follow. But try to accept that some things are great and some things need to be improved. And you know we we are in the rare in the era of uh, makers. So you know we. We, we, we do things, we try, sometimes it works, some, sometimes uh, it doesn't work, and it's, well, it's, it's, it's a process. Actually, what you're saying is, is interesting because Jeroen uh, mentioned earlier a promise and the, the way that you answered give us a hint about the fact that a company can make a promise, yes. but a, a culture is developed, nurtured, and changed by human beings yes so actually only people can make the change and would you say that you say we don't know the path <laughs> yeah yeah no, no but actually most most of the time we we don't know the path but you were you were also discussing what you tell your candidates 
Yeah. So do you also try to have the candidate's view on that? And are you looking for a match? Is that also something that you have in mind? Finding the great match between a person profile ambitions, potential and the company, what they need? Or what, what does it mean for you to have this good match? Of course, because, you know, you have the, the, the skills Uh, which are important and then you have the culture match and we candidates don't have the same expectations in terms of uh, sustainability if you take if you take a company like total you know the petrol company so for some people it's just impossible to work for total because it's all for some other it's 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 a great opportunity to work for total because they are focusing a lot of renewable energy and in sustainability and they have a long path and challenge challenging path to be successful in this so it's important as a candidate that you know where you are okay thank you and as you were saying the world is always changing and yes. can you tell us where do you see Bordeaux in five years from now and how have you and your company contributed to a changing working world? And so how I see Bordeaux in five years. So right now we, we try to go more international because that's a demand of our candidates and our customers. We try to focus equally on long-term employment and freelancer because the same, you know, you have more and more people who want to be a freelancer and it, In what have we changed the world? Well, with a lot of humility, what we try to do, this is really to, to, to make sure, to make understand that those jobs in sustainability, you need professionalism. So it means you can have a career path in that. You can make money, you can, you can have good job on the one hand. And on the other hand, this is a serious topic. So you, could, you can't just improvise yourself a sustainable expert you you can't improvise yourself but as Jeroen said earlier we also have a lot of of the younger people who might just enter their careers yeah uh, or who wants to change also yeah as you said you, you may have a lot of people who are in their 30s who yes. have a first life in communication or you know titles like that and who wants to change into sustainability and what would you recommend Or what would you tell them uh, if they wanted to actually gain such or, or at least a little, bit of, a little bit of experience so that they don't improvise and so that when they come to your clients, they actually are credible? Yeah, so they need to, they need to gain a, a culture of sustainability, you know, by reading uh, books, newsletter, listening to podcasts. You really have many things available now. It's really good when you can do a training as well. So, you know, you have, you have long training, you have short training that you can do on the web. Then I would recommend as well to, to develop your network. Um, your community. Usually when you are in sustainability, you are always happy to talk to people who want to work in sustainability. So it's quite easy to meet people, especially right now at this time, and people are more available because they are working from home. So it's easy to ask for a video conference for 20 minutes. And then, as I said earlier, if you are already doing a job, try to see how you can, how you can bring sustainability in your job. 
The same if you are, you know, a young graduate. So with what you have with your background as a student, the travels you have done, you already have some experience. So you can emphasize uh, this and you can, you can look for companies like uh, Bicorp. You know, it's a, it's a great community of companies who are really purpose uh, driven and they are looking for people with a classical profile, but who wants really to change things. I have a question about your new initiative. You, you said you started your impact platform now also for freelancers. So head for impact, yes. <laughs> so headhunting is one, eh? and headhunting you can do for permanent positions, but you could also do them for temporary or interim positions. But starting this platform, specifically targeting the freelance communities out there, what motivated you to do that? Was that there's a world out there and we need to get them to jobs? And there's a demand with my customer, or do you think that freelance workers serve their purpose in a different way and therefore you have an opportunity to reach them in a different way? Um, well, there are um, many reasons why, but if I have to give two. So one, this is that I see the market changing. There are more and more uh, freelancers. So it means people who want to be freelancer and companies uh, who need freelancer. You know, to be honest, 10 years ago, I already had the idea to propose freelancer in sustainability to my customers. They said, oh, great idea. But, you know, they, they didn't have the budget for it because they thought that's not so important. So they took an internship or they managed something uh, on their own. And I saw the market was changing. So that's why I wanted to be able to answer that issue. And the second uh, reason is more personal. Um, I'm 45 years old. And I, I really see that once you are 40, 45, year, 45 years old, it starts, unfortunately, being more difficult to find a long-term position. Plus, you have many people who are extremely expert in their area and they are, they are happy, you know, to work on a specific mission just for, just for a short period of time. So it was more to answer my uh, generation issue, I would say. Now I'm really feeling old, uh, ladies, here uh, <laughs> on the show, past the 45 marker as well. So uh, I, I know the feeling, uh, but I think it is true. I think the slightly older working generation becomes more specialized, has very unique experiences. Yeah. And not all organizations are having a spot yet for those specialists. Uh, although with age and with experience, you become also more a generalist because you have seen more diversity of in course. your work. But mm. it is a challenge. At the same time, what I experience in, in the world that I'm serving also with freelance professionals is that... Mm -hmm freelancers in general are more agile and more flexible to start on a new assignment and that definitely in these ages of insecurity that's what organizations are going to look for again so right. that's one thing for sure secondly price and therefore financial risk taking for a company uh, it's still a solution in that area so uh, in former crisis we have seen that the freelance world mm -hmm. is ready to move after a, a transition or in, as part of a transition. Yeah. Uh, but I think there's a third element in the freelance notion. I think there's a generation upcoming that is not mm -hmm. looking for long-term employment anymore by default. You're right. The, the people that are coming out of university, they're looking for a project, a job. Mm 
a gig, uh, a learning opportunity. And not like when I came out of university ages ago, you were looking for a paid job where you could grow, where you could ground and, and starting to develop your career. Let's say the motivations from today's professionals is totally different. So it doesn't surprise me the combination of sustainability, purpose-driven, the new working generation upcoming, they're looking for different type of employment formats and flexibilities. Maybe to ask you a very specific question also in that changing world that we mm -hmm. are in. Where do you see us, HR professionals, recruiters, career facilitators, whatever you want to call us, where do you see us in 10, 15 years from now? Well, to be honest, to be honest, I don't really know how to answer that question because on the one hand, you see how the digital is changing our jobs, artificial intelligence. And on the other hand, you see that more and more people need specific advice. They want to be treated on an individual level. There is, there is a, a race for the right talents in companies. So how to say, you know, there, there will be both on the one hand digitalization, AI automatization, and on the other hand, very uh, specific uh, advice, very specific advice. It's, and it's very, it's very. You know, sorry. the first time I was a headhunter, it was almost 25 years ago. So it, on the one hand, it was totally different because we had uh, no emails. So, you know, we were, we were posting letters, hundreds of letters, just to reach maybe one guy who would be interested. So it has totally changed uh, in that sense, the way to approach people with LinkedIn, with every, you know, technology that we have. But on the other hand, the contact you have with the candidate, the contact you have with your customer, trying to reinsure everybody, uh, trying to point out the potential difficulties for the candidate, for the customers, you know, the basics are the same. So we'll see. So with the basics being the same, technology has helped us to reach more people, see more people, hear more about uh, people. And that will only continue, like you said, with artificial intelligence. It's, it's almost, I envision a world where we are not needed anymore to check resumes. We, we get the 95% perfect candidate delivered on our tabletop. But I believe that will almost urge the HR professional or the recruiting professional to become even more human focused and, and candidate focused in the engagement model. It's even more about not what you have done, but why you want to do things. And I think it's almost impossible to put that on paper or put it in a chatbot or in an AI uh, technology. I think that is the conversation. That is the, the human engagement uh, that you really need to switch on. So I was just wondering whether that means that the recruitment profession has returned back to almost a full human-centered approach in 15 years from now, and the AI is working on the background without yeah. us almost noticing it. Maybe. Yeah, that's, that's actually what I, I sensed before in what you said, Caroline, is that we have these two movements in HR, so human-centered yeah. approach and 
AI automatization and digitalization and how we will use these tools is still up to us. And we have a few hints and we are trying things. Yeah. We had this and we are still in it, but the, the current way of doing things or the way I see it is to go into more and more digitalization. And as you say, like we had greenwashing before, it's part of the, of the deal. It's like everybody has to explore and we have to explore yeah. <laughs> as much path as possible just to know which one are okay, which one are not. We've seen some experiments go wrong. I, I'm exactly. sure you heard about the AI, I think it was for Amazon. And in the end, they recruited yeah. the, the, the only special that they recruited was a 40 <laughs> uh, developer, a man in his 40s called Steve. <laughs> they would just get this one out. So we are experimenting right now with AI, but we are also experimenting on another scene, which is more discreet on hmm. the human-centered approach. We have both of them. And it's interesting what you said, Jochen, because now it's more, the, the cursor is more on the AI because we need to explore and because it's always easier to attract people based on technology and on innovation. But as you say, we might in the end have the cursor go the other way and have all the automated things go in the background, just helping us and empowering us to be more human-centered. Because one thing that we hear actually, I think all of us in this HR world is that time is of the essence. HR people have 10 hours a day to work, 24 hours a day in, in an entire day. And when they come to you, when they come to us, it's really about making their life easier and having more time to focus on things which make sense for them. Exactly. Especially this year for the HR people has just, has just been totally uh, crazy. I know my customers, they've had a really tough year because with the pandemic, organizing all this work from home and, and you know, people working in shops and so on. So they really had a, a, a tough year and more than ever, we were there just to, 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 make, to make their life easier, at least on our little part, that we could do something. That's, that's right. We try to make their life easier and we are going towards the, the conclusion. And what we really want to have from you right now is what inspire you these days? So do you have a book, a podcast, or any content that you would like to share with us? Yes. What inspired me is uh, go back to the basic. So there is a French philosopher uh, that I like very much. This is Edgar Morin. He wrote a book, uh, Pensée Complexe, which we would roughly translate as a complex we have too much a tendency to simplify things or to forget things are, as we see with the pandemic, everything is interdependent. So we can have the worse and the better, but just remind, it just reminds us that everything is not black or white, basically. That's true. We are navigating this world the best way we exactly. understand and try. And we happen to sometimes come with a, a nugget of gold and it is what we are all looking for and also what we would like to know is and this is the last question so it's approximately the same that we have for all our, our guests it's what is the one HR question that you would like to see solved or unlocked in the coming five years inclusion at work within the business world definitely you know my, my customers uh, tend to be willing to have candidates with an international exposure highly educated and aged uh, between uh, 26 and uh, 37 years old. 
for that <laughs> inclusion. No, no, so that's for me really a challenge. And, you know, the, the initiative you have towards younger people is just great. But in fact, we need uh, as well initiative for people who are elder because, you know, we are supposed to work till at least uh, 65 years old. But, you know, if you start having difficulty finding a job when you are 45, so what are you going to do during 20 years? It's interesting um, that you bring that up because I think it is people also in our role where we are positioned, we can help to make those experienced generations to be the new working generation as well. Yeah. The traditional organizations are slightly risk averse because they want to have those young diverse thinkers with three international experiences, uh, exactly. etc. Like because they're priced right. Let's be honest, we still live in a world where profit-driven is still the priority driver before other drivers come to the table. In But I think if we can help our clients, our networks to uh, understand that people of age have relevant experiences, diverse experiences, perspectives that that is a unique quality that almost creates a new working generation that the industry is looking for but is not looking at and i think in the headhunting roles uh, also what we do with the talent sprint is trying to profile those generations also as the the new working generation so it's it's amazing that you brought it up as one of the challenges uh, that we need to unlock and i don't have the solution for that either so let's work <laughs> on it uh, all together yeah, another podcast sense hey caroline rounding off if people would like to know more about you about your organization birdio or other initiatives that you are taking where can they find you in the digital world of today <laughs> um, you can uh, you can follow me on uh, linkedin um, on Twitter and of course the website birdeo b-i-r-d-e-o dot um, com plus for those who speak French I published a book how to make a career in sustainable development okay thank you very much I thank you yeah thank you again Caroline for your time for all these insights for uh, the very nice moment that we had. It's always very rich to have this type of conversation and we never know where it goes. But one thing that I'm sure about is that it helps all HR professionals to challenge what they think or to have a different perspectives on things. And just for that, it's always good to just have them. So thank you. And we are really eager to see you reach for the moon for both People for Impact and for Verio. Yes, you too. Great initiative. <laughs> Thank you for being with us today. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode in our Unlocked podcast series. We at the Talent Sprint want to make the difference in recruiting future and today's professionals. Better understanding the difference, putting people on the stage is what we enjoy doing and will continue to do. During our Talent Sprints, where career professionals and hiring organizations co-create impact, an event where talent is offered the stage to collaborate with peers, a stage where feedback is always given, a stage where new hire potential is scouted, where employer potential is explored. If you want to know more about the Talent Sprint, you can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter, 
or visit our website on www.talent-sprint.com. This is also where we announce new upcoming events, including Talent Sprint workshops or breakfast meetings. Again, thank you for listening to Unlocked, the HR podcast that dares to put people first. Unlocked is a production by the Talent Sprint, Sabrina Gurry, Jeroen Frumeau and Emmanuel Meshvold.